Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you all for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rota, and I will be your host. And with me, I have Father Eli. How are you doing today, Father Eli? Very good. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Today, um, we are going to talk about a couple different things. Um, but one, we're going we're gonna to kind of maybe dive in a little bit deeper and flesh out uh, uh, flesh out more of the homily that you gave last week. Sure. Um, you know, we talked a lot, uh, or I guess you talked a lot about um, about trust, mm-hmm. mainly our lack of trust, mm-hmm. and uh, and how that kind of affects the way that we act in mm-hmm. the world, uh, how we think about things, um, and kind of the differences between how we are supposed to act and how we do act a lot of the times. Sure. So, uh, but b- before we get into that, uh, would you uh, lead us in a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for many blessings you bestow on us. We pray um, for all our parishioners, those who are in any special need in any special way. Uh, we lift up to them, lift them up to you in prayer, and um, yeah, we just pray for uh, clarity in going into the fall here, as uh, for our families who are trying to figure out about school, as we are trying to figure out about faith formation all the different things that are kind of in flux right now, we just ask your guidance and your wisdom. Um, and uh, we, we ask uh, Our Lady to always hold us in prayer, and we ask these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John Vianney, pray, pray for, for us. us. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Um, yeah, well, uh, I guess kind of starting off, what's going on this week? Yeah. Well, um you know, there's not a lot of big things happening here locally, but the handmaids, the sisters in our parish, um, the uh, postulants, I think, or is it the novices? Postulant, the novice, I think, is the next level. So postulants, yeah, I, I think, so. are getting their names this week, and the habit, I think, is what they receive the habit yeah. on Thursday, which is the transfiguration. So that's kind of a big deal for them, and as as they're part of our parish, we we pray for them and support them in that. So that's exciting. I forget how many are coming. Is it four or five, or did they say? I can't remember. Um, how many postulants are going? Uh, I think it's like, yeah, it's like four or five. I think. Okay, which is that's great. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, one of the sisters I was there last night with with them, and we were talking, and I think they said their chapel can hold like thirty people, and they have twenty six sisters there now, and so then these new. Uh, postulants are coming in so it's going to be kind of tight so that's good that's a good yeah. sign yeah uh there's uh one of the postulants i actually went to college with oh really yeah and i don't i don't know her super well we kind of um we only overlap for a little bit sure but um but yeah she was actually um because a bunch of uh a bunch of sisters were at the 9 a.m at Holy Family, and there was, and right. she was one of them. So I got to kind of wave to her from afar sure. as she was walking sure. by. So yeah, that was cool. But yeah, she's me, one of them that get a gets a new name and yeah. a habit and stuff. So that's great. It's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, a, anything else going on that we were talking about? Uh, not really. Yeah, it's it, <laughs> it's kind of a quiet week. It is. It is. Uh, which which is kind of nice. Yeah. You know, no funerals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No weddings this week. So weddings just, are good, but yeah. There's just nothing, nothing going on. So yeah, yeah, which is, which is just okay for yeah, us. Yeah, and Karen's <laughs> gone this week, so you know, 
It's a little bit quieter. On your and your part of the office, there's a little quieter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it gets lonely on that side. But I'm by myself in my room, so sometimes it's kind of like, you know, no chatter in there. But you guys always seem like you're having a good time. So. Yeah, yeah. Y- usually, <laughs> usually. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So uh, today we're going to talk about uh, about trust and kind of, um, and yeah, I guess more importantly, our lack of trust that we have in God, and. Um, yeah, I guess, do you want to kind of give maybe like a little recap of sure. your homily from last week or kind of yeah. where you were going with it? Yeah, so um, it, it kind of stemmed from the first reading. So the um, the prophet was talking about how we um, we spend our resources and stuff for things that don't satisfy us and how the Lord invites us to come and rest in him and that's where, as I was praying through it, that's kind of where it came from. And then, um, obviously, in the gospel, Jesus feeds the 5,000. So it's kind of like overabundance with the little that they had, the five loaves and the two fish. So you're kind of like, wow, like, if God can do that there, and he wants to do it in our lives, how come I don't trust him so often? So I was preaching from my own, sometimes response is so often to, to try to figure it out on my own or try to I got to get this figured out, or I got to do this. Um, which okay, I got to play a part, but it's God that changes the world. It's God, the one He's the one that sanctifies us. He's the one that changes our hearts. And so often, in the midst of worldly trials and challenges, I think we tend not to put our trust in Him or believe that He can help us. You know, it's kind of like religion. It's a nice idea. It's a nice thing. It's a part of my life in some sense, but I don't really, it doesn't play like a, a key role in kind of guiding how I live. And for us as Catholics, that's really not Catholicism. Catholicism is like, it's a rooted way of living that everything that I do, everything that I follow, live, say, uh, how I how I present myself to the world, it's all rooted in this Catholicism, this way of looking at the world. And so I guess that was kind of where I was trying to come from and in particular in this time with the coronavirus and the pandemic and all the unrest that's in our country, uh, the election year, all this, it's easy to get kind of overwhelmed by it all and just say, ah, we gotta, we gotta fix ourselves. And instead of just saying, Lord, I trust in you, Jesus, I trust in you. I know you're gonna take care of me. Help me to be good for today, uh, to, to trust in you in this, in this moment. So I guess, I don't know, that's kind of the recap. It's not exactly what I said, but it's yeah. kind of, pulling it out a little bit so yeah yeah and um i that that first reading from is isaiah 55 mm-hmm. that's right yeah that's one of just one of my favorite um passages uh and every time i hear it, i'm like i need to read this more <laughs> it's just like one of those that it always just hits me yeah and uh and I, yeah i i think uh, you also talked a little bit about just like what we spend our time on, mm-hmm. and um, kind of ho- like hobbies and what what we do, yeah. and what kind of gives life to us and what kind of yeah. like takes so. it away. Um, and uh, that's not really th- well. The, I guess the main point of of, of uh, this episode, but it's just it just it just came to me while you were kind of talking about that because I feel like it um, like that's something for me that just strikes a chord because how many times uh what like am i just like living my life but then being like why am i like why am i doing this mm-hmm. or like why am i acting this way or why am i mm-hmm. 
like why am I to a certain extent like why do I always like I've realized that I need to like invite God in more but I don't mm-hmm. yeah and I and that kind of correlates also to the way like how we trust God and yeah. because I think all of us know that we need to trust God more yeah. <laughs> but then yeah. we just also don't at the same time right. Right. yeah it's a kind of a catch-22 isn't it because I want to trust God more but I don't <laughs> so then <laughs> yeah. I can't and, and I won't and so you know we'd all like to have awesome faith and trust in moments of crisis when we really need that you know when things are going fine it's easy to not notice the difference but when we have a crisis or something's going bad in that moment if you're a man of or a woman of faith um, yeah your life looks differently and there's a peace in that person that others are kind of like astounded by sometimes you know and I think that's the lives of the saints we see that uh, the way that they live their lives that's what that's what draws people to Christ through them it's not them so much it's Christ drawing uh, others to him through them through through the peace that they experience because they're rested in him they trust in him um, so yeah uh, and it's it's a hard thing right it's hard hard to develop that yeah um yeah, I want to ask you this question, which could, could probably is probably a very a, like you could we could really flesh this one out. But why do we not trust God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know it could stem from a lot of things. I I think our human interactions so often we've been hurt because you know, when you look at a child, they trust right that you you tell them something, they're like okay, and they just believe you. Yeah. Uh, but how long does that last before they somebody tells them something and then it's not true? Um, I don't know who's listening, so I, sh- I shouldn't bring up exact examples here. But um, you might be told that such and such a thing is true, and then when you find out that it's not, or that somebody was lying to you, or that they they didn't follow through with what they said they were going to do, or you know, that kind of hardens our hearts a little bit. So I think our human interaction kind of that's the example that we live by. And whether or not we experience God's, you know, he's always faithful, right? But because we have this human inter- interaction, this human experience, that kind of keeps us from really trusting because we kind of treat God as if he's just another person, right? He's, he's going to let me down. He's gonna, not going to do it, so I'm, I'm not going to trust him. So I think that's one side of it. Um, I think another side of it is we don't have... A, a deeper relationship with God. We haven't developed the spiritual kind of foothold or the spiritual basis by which we can rest in God. Um, if we don't know God personally, if we don't know him in a full way and interact with him often, it's kind of like, again, you could use the human interaction. If, if I have a good friend or a family member that I'm very close to, um, how do I interact with him? Well, I usually, if, if if I love them and care for them, and they love me and care for me, there's a deep trust, a bond of trust that's developed, right? It's the same thing with God. If we don't have that with God, if he's just an idea or something that we've been told, uh, so I think for a lot of Catholics, Catholicism is just a set of rules. It's a morality. It's not necessarily the relational piece, but it's both. It's both and, and we don't always focus on developing that relationship as Catholics. We, we talk about, you know, knowing certain prayers. We talk about uh, you know, getting the sacraments, which these are good things, um, but sometimes we don't focus on 
do you know Christ? Do you talk to Christ? Is he a personal figure to you, or is he just something out there, you know, that I, I know is he's a good God, he's a good, but, you know, it's not it's not a personal relationship. I don't know if I'm saying yeah. that makes sense. but Yeah. Um, so I think our, our lack of trust comes from the fact that we don't know Christ. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think, um, like, kind of how you were saying, like, our personal reactions, like, sometimes I, like, I will project, like, what I would do onto God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's easy to do. And uh, be like, oh, well, I would treat, you know, in my, like, in my anger or in my, like, whatever, like, emotion, I guess I'm, I'd be feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how, this is what I would do. So that's probably what, like, what God thinks of me. Mm-hmm. Or, like, he's probably mad at me because I'd be mad at myself or, you know, right. whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, that totally makes sense that, like, we do that because of our own experiences, but then also because we don't know him. Because if we don't know him, we don't know I guess how he would act, right? Right. Yeah, and so it, it's kind of both those things working against us in a sense. We haven't developed that relationship, and our human relationships have failed us in some form or fashion so often that sometimes there's a there's a sort of a, a hurt or a, a wall that we've built. Um, so even if we want to trust God, there's sort of something there's these barriers that we have to break through to do that. Um, it's not always easy to do that. So, and then I would say the other aspect might be, and I was trying to touch on this a little bit in the homily was we live in a world where a lot of people don't have a relationship with God or don't know who God is or deny the fact that there is God. So, and it's, these people are good people in the sense that they seem like nice people. They seem normal. Um, so their response is to, we don't, that God isn't out there, so I'm not looking to God for an answer. I'm not looking for God for guidance. So for us as Christians, sometimes we kind of get caught up in just the the tide, if you want to say, of like, everybody else is, this is how everybody else is responding to this, so I guess that's my, should be my response too. And we don't necessarily think about like, oh, I'm a Christian. Uh, they're not Christian. They're not Catholic. We have a different worldview on certain things. So I think that's an aspect too of, it's not necessarily something we think about or we intentionally decide I'm going to do this thing, which is maybe not trusting in God. It's just everybody else's. This is how everybody else is approaching this. Seems like it should be the right thing, you know. So I don't know how often. Sometimes I think we just get caught up in the the tide, or whatever you want to call it, the river, and it's yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I <laughs> I get that. Um, and uh, I was even. Um, at least for me, one of the things that really popped up when you were talking about that was just the like political co- climate. Yeah, and we don't have to get too far into that. <laughs> but 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 just just kind of I think the older that I've been getting, and the more that like out of necessity, I've had to look more into politics. Mm-hmm. Um, the like the more and more I'm realizing like all the voices that I'm hearing don't sound like voices that. I should be hearing from quote unquote leaders mm. like no matter, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so there's times where I'm just like, wait, why are we all yelling at each other when that's like, that's not what, what we should be doing. Right. Mm-hmm. But then it's so easy just to get caught up in yelling at each other. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's, I think something that like, I've just noticed that like I'll get so caught up in something, but then be like, wait, this isn't, this isn't how I'm supposed to be acting. 
Yeah. Like this isn't how like Christ would act mm-hmm. or how we as Christians are called to act. And, you know, just because that's what everyone else is doing, that doesn't mean that that's what we should be doing. Right, right. Yeah, and it's uh, it's tricky, you know. How do you... There's no... Uh, yeah, I don't want to go down that path yet. But yeah, it's, it's 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 a tricky balance sometimes of trying to trying to uh, live by faith, live in trust, um, try to take in what the world is saying because we don't want to just we don't want to be ostriches that stick our head in the ground and don't pay attention to anything that's happening in the world. But on the other hand, um, we don't want to always get caught up in just following along blindly with what the world offers. So it's kind of it's a it's a, sometimes it's just discombobulating like we're what am I standing upon? Where am I looking? What voices should I be listening to? It, it's not always easy, you know, and I myself, I think am struggling with that right now. Um, as a, as a Catholic, as a priest, um, coming to a new place, um, in our, in our nation, how do I, how do I balance everything that all the things that are coming in, you know, and it's not easy. So yeah, I, I think that's why at the end of the homily, I tried to just invite people to pray to go to mass to read the scriptures these things that are sort of foundational ways of staying in touch with christ because he'll never lead us astray right these other voices at times they will but that's why we need to be rooted in christ so that um sometimes i think we don't always even know exactly where to go but if we stay close to christ and we cling to him it's kind of like there's a there's an ability to just sort of feel your way like okay uh this isn't super clear but i think this is i'm i'm just going to head in this direction you know and it's not always super clear and i'm a man that likes clarity so right now to have unclarity about how to live is is not i don't i don't enjoy that i like clarity so yeah yeah it's a challenge yeah absolutely um So something that you mentioned also was talking about how, um, and you, I guess you've kind of touched on it here too, um, but using your words like we, we're no longer like living in a Christian Christian culture, yeah. and so, like at one point, the majority of our culture were Christian or at least had Christian uh, ideals behind them. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of getting to a point now where some of that's, I guess, still ingrained, but the specifically like Christians part, Christian part of it has been kind of taken out. Yeah. Um, and then some parts just aren't really Christian at all anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of to a point where we're the counterculture Mm -hmm. and not to like such an extreme way that other Christians have experienced in the past. Yeah. But definitely in, um, maybe just like a weird, um, a weird kind of counterculture that we had, like maybe the church hasn't experienced a ton before. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess what are some of your thoughts about that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, as I was tr- trying to think about that, I was, it can sound kind of radical to say you're countercultural or whatever, or, or like we're trying to make our name for ourselves, but it's not so much that we've moved as, as Catholics or that we've changed our way of looking at the world. The Catholic perspective has always been there. Yes. It, it enriches and it deepens as we 
encounter different things, and as a church, we kind of deal with certain things, but it's always there. The world, though, has kind of stepped away, as you say, um, and it's, yeah, kind of this ups and downs that the society goes through, you know, it's just a sort of a natural progression that over time, you look back in history, and you can see it, but um, yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely a time when we are, as Christians and as Catholics, it's interesting because people still, a lot of parents send their kids to school, the Catholic school, or they, they send them to religious ed to get Catholic values or morals or something like that. Like they want their children to have these certain things, but they don't live the faith themselves. You know, they, they don't go to church. They don't practice the faith. Um, and it's not even that they, uh, it's kind of like they haven't even wrestled with that. It's just kind of like, well, I want these, I want these parts of Catholicism, but it's kind of a backwards way of looking at it. Cause as Catholics, if you don't practice your faith, if you don't live your faith, then all that other stuff is sort of superfluous. Like the morals, the, the teachings, the doctrines, they all stem from this relationship with Christ. And if we don't have a lived relationship with Christ, then all those other things are, in a sense, they're, they're dead. It's dead fruit. It's not going to, um, you know, if you're tr trying to teach somebody to be a moral person, like, what are you saying? This is right and wrong. What, where does that come from? Like, is it just, oh, these are nice things. Uh, when you, you know, when you don't lie, when you tell the truth, when you don't steal, when you, these basic things, um, your life is easier. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's, I mean, I think that's why people like those things is because it kind of sets a good foundation. Uh, but for us as Catholics, that's sort of secondary. Like, all that stuff is super important because it's, it's a, it's a fruit that comes from living our faith. Um, but if, if we say that's the foundation, the morality is the foundation, no, the, the foundation is I've, I've encountered Christ, I've come to know Christ, and because of that, I desire to live in such a way that I do these things or I, I try to follow these things. And so I think we've sort of divorced that in our culture and said, I want morality but without Christ, or I've, I want morality but not the church. Um, and so because of that, you have a lot of people who have been told you got to do these things, but there's no reason why I do these things, or there's not a, like a, like a lot of young people today don't understand why the church teaches what she does, why she believes what she does, why, why these these certain things are are, are this way. Um, it's not we're trying not try, not trying to control people. It's we want people to live in freedom. When you're living next to Christ, when you follow Christ, it it allows you to to live freely in these things. So they're not so much imposed on you, but you have a desire to live them out. So our morality, our, our doctrines, they're all a vehicle by which we come to live the, the life of Christ. I don't know. I'm kind of battling here, but um, trying to get at this idea, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think uh, like that definitely strikes a chord with me because I've heard many times people say like, oh, like, I mean, I, I'm a nice person, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I haven't killed anybody. And it's just like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Continue to not kill anyone. Yeah. But that's not the, that's not like the point, like that, that shouldn't be the, like, oh, um, like think about when we, um, like pass on from this world and we go to the gates of heaven and we're like, oh yeah. You were a nice person. Yeah. You were a nice person. Didn't kill anyone. Great. 
didn't steal. Okay. Um, you know, like yeah. just okay. There you go. Like I don't that that doesn't yeah. Like I, that that doesn't seem like that is what Jesus said. Right. So yeah, you look at somebody like Saint Paul. Like we don't know for sure, but he probably can't say I didn't kill anyone when he gets to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. But what did he do? He he knew Christ, and so his his life he was converted to Christ. Um, and there's lots of saints who had this experience, like they were not good people, right? Because they knew Christ, that's that's what the measuring thing is. They they've followed Christ into heaven. So yeah, that's that's a big. I think that's a that's an important thing to keep in mind. Like being a good person is not what we strive for as Catholics. It should be a fruit of our Catholicism, but it's not like the end all be all. And sometimes you get that sense like in our society, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to um, have any ultimate truths. We don't want to have things that are right or wrong for me and for you. It's like you can have your truth. I'll have my truth. Like this whole idea of all these kind of things is is kind of the norm right now. Um, but it's not a Catholic way of living. And again, it kind of comes down to like, oh, that's kind of, we're not used to hearing that. Like, we're not used to thinking that way. Like, oh, like to be Catholic means that I actually stand up for something sometimes and it's uncomfortable. Or to be Catholic means that I um, try to understand everything in this relationship with Christ and comes from that rather than just right and wrong, um, just kind of in a, in a stereotypical sort of way, you know, but it's all rooted in some greater truth, some greater relationship, you might say. So, yeah. And I feel like that kind of wraps back into the idea of trust because when, when we do have to like have the uncomfortable conversation or, um, or we have to kind of make a stand and kind of stand against the the current mm-hmm. you know of our of just the culture um that like that's kind of where i think the trust like really kind of at least like for me i really say like that's when i have to like okay i really have to just like trust that god's gonna mm-hmm. take care of me right now yeah um yeah i can think of lots of times as a pastor i mean i was only a pastor for four years in my last assignment i've only been a priest for seven years so don't have a ton of experience but lots of times already in those years um where I was fearful of having to have a tough conversation with somebody or where I was uncertain of how somebody would take something or I felt obligated to talk about something with a group of people or a person or the parish in general. And just a lot of fear of like, oh, how's this going to go? I don't I don't know about this. Um, and so I had to go into prayer really a lot and just say, Lord, help me to stand with you in this and not be afraid um, to do it at, if it's a challenge or if it's a disagreement or whatever it is in a loving way, in a pastoral way, but not to back down from the truth. And um, that was a lot of t- times of anxiety or fear or you know, just uncertainty. How is this going to go? But always going back to the Lord and, and trusting. And it's not that it always turned out great. Um, it's not that everything always worked out perfectly and nobody ever got mad, but there's always a freedom in like staying with Christ, I guess, whatever that means. So, yeah, yeah. Um, well, maybe as we, um, I guess, I guess 
one other thing that we want to talk about today, and I guess this is a fairly good segue, yeah. is uh, talking about um, St. John Vianney, yeah. who is uh, today kind of the, the saint of the day today. Yeah. Um, and he is the, the patron saint of priests. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, St. John Vianney, um, today is his feast day, August 4th, and um, he lived um, back in the time during and then right after the the French Revolution. Uh, if you're familiar, if people are familiar with that, but that was a kind of a crazy time. So the French Revol- Revolution happened after the American Revolution, but it was um, an internal thing. So the, the French people kind of revolted against the king, um, and the sort of upper class, if you will, and kind of tore down a lot of stuff. Now, there were certainly abuses, right? The The church was sort of aligned in some ways, in some places at least, with sort of that upper class and the clergy and so forth. So that's why there was sort of this kickback against the church and the king and all this, because the, the people were fed up with, um, you know, just kind of being used, like the peasants working and the all everybody else is living in this high society and having, you know, just basically everybody else serve them. Um, so in, to the extent that the church was caught up in that, because the church is, the, I mean, the priests, bishops, everybody, they're called servants. They're supposed to serve the church. They're supposed to serve the people, bring people to Christ. And if they were caught up in sort of this laissez-faire lifestyle of just kind of living on living the high life or living high off the hog or whatever you want to say, um, that was bad. So there there was some abuses, um, but kind of what happened is this anger and frustration came out so strong that it kind of overstepped and it kind of like got rid of all the church and got rid of like priests and nuns were killed and not just, I mean, you can't really always pick and choose, but it, it was kind of a wholesale thing like we don't want any priests, we don't want any religious sisters, we want religious life out, we want... Uh, Catholicism to be gone, and so they kind of, in France, they kind of instituted a new religion. It was a kind of a state religion, and it was kind of crazy, and they went through the reign of terror where many people were executed um, for just random things that these uh, that these officials would come up with. And through all of that, uh, France was really, it was in turmoil. So as they came out of that phase and kind of, kind of righted the ship, if you will, it was a it was a challenging time, and that's when Saint John Vianney grew up. He was catechized kind of in secret, and um, had a desire to be a priest, and was going to be a priest. Was drafted into the military um, through no fault of his own. On his way to try to find where he was supposed to report for duty, he got lost and got sick, and so he he never ended up being there. So it's kind of a long story. If you read his biography, it's very interesting, but. One of the things that he's known for is after the French Revolution was over, after Napoleon had kind of been dealt with by the world, um, things started to try to get back to normal. But you have this country that's been devastated by war and violence, and um, the church is in shambles, absolute shambles. There's there's no clergy. There's hardly anybody um, going to church in the places that they have churches that are still functioning. So John Vianney gets assigned to this little corner of France, called Ars. It's a little tiny town, little village, and he uh, basically brings renewal, not just to his own parish, but the whole French church, in a sense, brings people back to Christ through his love for the Lord. And so, um, 
I think for me, that's, it gives me hope, you know, because sometimes you look at the problems that we're facing, you just think like, ah, I have no way to deal with all this. How do I even address anything? But you look at somebody like John Vianney, it's like, okay, love God, become a saint. And that's all that God is asking you to do. And when you do that, it'll help other people, you know? So it gives me hope that it's not so complicated. It's not so hard. It's not finding the right program always. You can utilize programs and things, but it's our love for God, our celebration of the Mass and the sacraments, uh, our prayer life, our devotion. This is what's going to change the world. And so I, that, I think that's why he's such a great saint for our time and for priests in general. But um, yeah, he's definitely a man of, of strong faith, um, and went through all kinds of challenges and difficulties and things, but uh, in the end became a saint that led people to Christ. So he's a great saint for our time, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's good, um, especially to look back on the lives of the saints and just in history in, gen- in general, the history of the church, to, you know, it's not like the church has never experienced something like this before or the right. world for that instance. Like, right. yeah, there's a lot of, you know, not great things going on in the world that's happened before. Right. And so to see that, like, like to be able to kind of recognize that, mm-hmm. and at least that, that gives me kind of some, like, security to be, just be like, oh, like, God's actually done this before. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't the first time, and there's no, you know, there is reason to trust him because we can actually look back and see that he's done it. But he, like, he's he's provided many times before. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, it's it's interesting when we look at history in the church, uh, times when there's the the most like impressive saints or the saints that are like most kind of revered is in dark times and challenging times. That's when the great saints come out because God raises them up out of necessity for, for us. So I think there'll be a lot of great saints that come from our time. Yeah, I think I, I think it, I think it's a G.K. Chesterton quote, but it's, I think it's something like, each generation is um, converted by the saint that contradicts it most. Mm, that's very interesting. I've, I haven't heard that one, but that sounds very Chester, Chestertonian. Yeah. So uh, I bet it is him. So. So. So yeah, I think that's you know it's food for thought for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, great. Well, thank you so much, Father, uh, bringing your wisdom to us. <laughs> sure. This is good. Yeah. It's uh, thanks for bringing up these topics. I think. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Next week, the sisters are going to be on, right? Is there yeah. a preview at all for that? Or yeah, well, I I think I think we'll kind of start off with and have the topic of you know what what have what have they been up to this summer? Because ah, you know um, they've been kind of going 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 all like all over the place all 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 summer. And so some, like Sister Magnificat just got back, so yeah, yeah. I think she'll be on with Sister Trismarie. Okay. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe they'll be another one but so yeah we'll kind of hear what they've been up to over the summer and nice what they have going on awesome well thanks Daniel. yeah yeah thank you father and uh thank you all for listening and we will see you next week